1: welcome to it's all political the san francisco chronicles political podcast i'm joe garifoli the chronicles senior political writer and today our guest is the leader of the california republican party jessica milan patterson republicans just failed badly in their attempt to recall governor gavin newsom we talk about what went wrong and what she thinks of the top vote getter among the recall candidates conservative talk show host Larry Elder. Is he the future of the GOP? Speaking of, what is the future of the California Republican Party? They hold no statewide offices. They are a super minority in the legislature, and there are twice as many registered Democrats as Republicans in California. Is there a future? As always, Jess remains relentlessly positive. And of course, whenever she is on the podcast, we find ourselves talking about some obscure aspects of Catholicism, which is our shared faith. And now, here is our conversation with Jessica Milan-Patterson. Jessica Milan-Patterson, welcome back to It's All Political.
2: Thank you so much for having me. As you you have sometimes joked about my discipline and my preparedness (laughs) when I come and chat with you on your show, and the way I prepare for my conversations with Joe Garofoli are different than the way I... prepare for any other reporter. Really? Why is that? Because you always ask me some obscure question about my faith. And so... (laughs) We're not going to, our faith, our faith, Thank our you. faith, yes. So, like, the first time we were out in East L.A., in Montebello, I showed you where I got married at Our Lady of Miraculous Medal. Then you asked me, so what's the story about the Miraculous Medal? And I did not know. And so, I think I, a few weeks later, exactly. You, you. I got something in the mail from, you mm-hmm. know, Catherine Labor Foundation and the Miraculous Medal, and I don't believe in coincidences. So I'd follow up with you on that. And I think last time we were talking about the rosary. We were talking about the rosary, yes. Yeah. And so I'm like, what obscure there, the question will... is Joe going to ask me today about the fifth luminous mystery? And I have to prepare differently. We, we,
1: <laughs> there will be no questions about Catholicism <laughs> or mysticism here. Although I'm, I'm, I'll, if I think of one, I'll, I'll drop it in. We are going to talk about the the recall and the future of the California Republican Party as we are here in lovely San Diego and your palatial suite here in your <laughs> at the at the convention. Okay, let's look back. I you know, I've been here for a day or so now at the, the convention, and I thought there would be more introspection, gnashing of teeth, a, a biblical reference. Um, the uh you know, soul searching, and, and there hasn't been. I mean, even in your speech, your opening speech, it was coming a defiant tone, you like, you know. We're we're not going anywhere. What did you learn from the recall going forward?
2: So I think we're still learning. You know, we're still getting all of the numbers back. We're going to be breaking this down by congressional seats. We're going to be breaking it down by legislative districts. And all of that will also change once we get redistricting. Mm -hmm. So um, I believe that there are going to be a lot of opportunities. And what we did in 2021 was preparing us and putting the infrastructure in place where we wouldn't normally put the infrastructure in place for another six to eight months. Mm. So when we look at our volunteer organization, we finished the 2020 election cycle, and as you know, had a great year here in California. We played in four congressional seats, we won four congressional seats. We picked up an assembly seat in a presidential year, which hasn't been done since 1984. We played in 11 of the 12 initiatives on the ballot. California voters were with the Republican Party, seven of the 11 initiatives we played in. They weren't with the Democrat Party 66% of the time. So we go into 2021 and we finish off this recall. We now have 72,000 volunteers. This is 72% increase in what would normally be considered an off year. In 2020, we had done... 15 million voter contacts. And that was for the entire cycle, 19 to 20. In 21 alone, we did over 18.3 million. So we've built out this. And 95% of our spending was in eight targeted congressional seats that we're looking at. So looking forward, I see a bright future for us, and I see a lot of opportunities. Um, We have to continue to make sure that we're ready for those opportunities.
1: But wouldn't you do something different? I mean, the final score is 62% of voters said they they didn't want Newsom to be booted out. Didn't that tell you something?
2: Yeah, I mean, it showed me Governor Newsom raised $70 million.
1: 80. But who's who's
2: counting? $80 million. He needed two, a former president and a current president, a vice president to come out here. He needed, you know, liberal senators from around the country to get his base excited to turn out and vote for him. Mm -hmm. He didn't run on his record. He didn't run on the issues, and what we have is another year to watch his failures and for California voters to hold him accountable again.
1: Right now, there is not uh, a big name who's announced for governor in California next to. Usually at this time of year, people are starting to get their name out here at the convention. There's signs all over there. We don't see a lot of that. We don't see a Senate uh, candidate, the big-name Senate candidate. Is that concerning for you? But what effect that might have on the down ticket, the down ballot races here?
2: No, it really isn't. You know, a lot of people would have told me in 2020 that I should worry about the top of the ticket when we went in and we played and. Talk to Californians about California issues, and we picked up four congressional seats. So it doesn't worry me. I think, you know, with the recall, the way that it was moved up to September, it affected people's timelines. And we're still learning what we can from this recall. And so once we have some of those deeper dives on the, uh, the post-mortem postmortem. Mm-hmm. I think that we'll, you know, have people that are seriously looking at this race and make their decisions on what it's going to take to win here in California.
1: Do you think there will be a, a postmortem like on the level of uh, the famous Republican autopsy in 2012? Do you, would you consider doing that?
2: We're, I mean, we, every <clears throat> single one of our decisions is based on data. Mm-hmm. And so there will be a deep dive into this. We okay. can't move forward without it. Okay.
1: Will you make that public?
2: Probably
1: not. <laughs> okay, we talked about make endorsing a candidate mm-hmm. before the recall. Do you think that would that have made a difference if the party had weighed in, or would that have you know as we talked about just sort of blunted enthusiasm for like if the party puts its thumb on the on the scale for someone, it might. The people who, uh, the partisans of the candidate who wasn't chosen, I was like, well, forget it. I'm going home.
2: Yeah, I think each one of the candidates brought something different. And, you know, our focus at the party was, yes, on the recall. And also the party is you know between 14 and 1,700 delegates that speak for 5.3 million Republicans. So it is difficult in a recall situation where there's only one ballot, right? There isn't a runoff. Mm. Um, There isn't a second race. Um, So to have the people speak. And we wanted to make sure that our delegation was deciding this. We didn't want it to be the board of directors, which is about 23 people. We didn't Mm. want it to be the executive committee. That is about 100 people. We wanted to make sure that the full delegation weighed in on whether or not, and then, if so, who the California Republican Party would endorse. And so when 93% of the delegation comes in and says we shouldn't endorse, I think that's a mandate, and I'm happy where they landed.
1: I've talked to both uh, Kevin Kiley and Kevin Faulkner. They have not made a decision yet. Larry Elder is still taking some time off, and I checked in with her crew. Would you be comfortable if Larry Elder was the uh, was the standard bearer for Republicans in
2: 2022? So Larry Elder has been a voice for conservatives. You know, I went to Cal State Northridge and I used to listen to him on my commute into school, the sage from South Central. He is a person that absolutely speaks to many voices here in California. I think that when we look forward to 2022 and all of the individuals that you mentioned and whether or not they get into this race, I think that they have a different opportunity. We had a sped-up election um, where they were running campaigns in 75 days. It's a difficult thing to do. So I think all of them are going to take some, you know, introspection they're going to do the same type of autopsy that we're doing at the california republican party and they're going to make their decisions um and i think that you know the voices that we had in this last recall election it was you know wonderful to watch it was wonderful to watch people holding governor newsom accountability accountable for his incompetence for his hypocrisy and then you know his desperation
1: do you think that Elder has hit a ceiling, though? Can he get those crossover votes you need, the, the moderates, the the independent voters, to, to win?
2: I think all of our candidates have an opportunity when the election is not in 75 days.
1: <laughs> we'll have more of our conversation about the future of the California Republican Party after this short break.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <sighs> A real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system.
1: And now, back to our conversation about the future of the California GOP, with Jessica Milan Patterson. I've been talking to uh, Democratic strategists who are looking at the Supreme Court. Let's talk, let's look forward now a little bit. The Supreme Court's going to decide an abortion case next year. Uh, very likely in the middle of the 22 race, They, Democratic strategists said this is going to help bring out uh, suburban moderate women. What should the candidates do about that? This is the, the Democrats are going to make abortion one of their main issues here in California. And particularly the the Orange County races are going to be prime for that. What would you advise candidates to do about that?
2: I think each one of these candidates, Mm -hmm. and I would say candidates in general, even when, you know, I ran Trailblazers, which recruited and trained candidates, each one of these candidates needs to be authentic. And they need to do, if you are not authentic, people will see Mm -hmm. right through it. And so they need to be true to themselves and what their beliefs and their positions are.
1: Mm-hmm. We saw uh, John Sununu, John Sununu, Chris Sununu, his son last night, the governor of New Hampshire. And I got to say, I was very impressed. Hey, we were talking about in the, as we were right before we uh, started recording this, um, he was talking about one of the things he said was for, for, as you alluded to, Repo- uh, candidates, Republican candidates should be themselves, be authentic and don't, worry, don't say we're not gavin and, and and stand for something stand for something what should republic what do Republican candidates stand for writ large Republicans? yeah
2: I mean so number one I would say that right now the difference between Republicans and Democrats is choice over control it drives me crazy that Democrats have kind of honed the market on choice because of one issue they don't want you to choose where your kids go to school. They don't want you to be able to choose who your doctor is. Uh, Heck, Democrats in California tried to keep our choice for president off the ballot uh, with an unconstitutional law, which we beat them in court. Um, So this idea of choice, I think, is something that California Republicans can really run on. Um, And those are some of the issues, but then watching what's happening with the homeless crisis with being able to build here. So we don't have a housing crisis. We have not grown at the same rate of, you know, other states to the extent that we have lost a congressional seat for the first time in our state's history. Mm. People are voting. They're voting with their feet. So being able to tackle some of those issues, I think are critical for Californians if we want to win
1: what uh, 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 there will be or there very well very well could be a school choice ballot measure next year on the, on the, which in which i believe every the way it's proposed every child will get a $14,000 tuition credit to be used to for public or private school or or private or parochial school i should say could that be a get out the vote? Uh, could that help your turnout? Is that, is that something you guys are, are it's like, wow, this, this is this is something we could get behind?
2: I think it is. And, you know, Governor Sununu, who was with us last night, he just recently was able to pass uh, a school choice um, type of, of bill, and that was through, uh, it's so that the money follows the student. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that what we've seen, you know, here in California, you've covered some of it. These school boards, you know, parents are fed up. They are mad. And, you know, for anyone who got to see the difference between a private school and a public school, when the situation went down and all of these waivers that went out for private schools and public schools in the same area, weren't doing the same type and not fighting for the kids. Mm. I think it was an awakening moment for a lot of parents. Um, And just being able to have that choice. You can still send your kids to public school, but I want to be able to choose where I'm sending my kids.
1: One of the uh, the, the uh, presentations here and I, uh, that we saw earlier, I think it was with your opening luncheon, was a uh, pollster and a data scientist that the party has used. And they said the, one of the the, the the core of the party, major core, the growing core of the party, are uh, voters who are, uh, how did she say it, it was the, uh, uh, the guy who owns a pl- plumbing company. Like these are these are uh, working, quote, people. Uh, working people, hi, uh, low education, high income people, like, you know, you're like a good uh, someone with a good union job. Thirty mm-hmm. percent of union workers are Republicans. Uh, does that match your your estimation? And there's more on the table. I uh, saw Heath Flora. He did a presentation. He's like, we can get more of these folks. Why should these why should working class folks be Republicans in your estimation?
2: Because I think that they want the same things that we want. Right. They want to make sure that they have that good job to go to so they can provide for a family. They want to make sure that their kids are getting a good education so they can have a better life than we had. And third, they want to make sure they have safe streets. And right now, California Democrats are failing on all three of those issues. So I think that that is what... Brings them to the party, and that is something that we need to make sure that we're talking about and what our solutions are to those problems, so that we can welcome these new members into our party.
1: What is going to be the biggest challenge in defending these uh, four house seats? We'll say is that is that how many you think you're going to play in?
2: No, I think we may be so. Right now, obviously, the four that we won last cycle will be on the target list. Then we have four that the NRCC put on the list that are on the target list because without spending any resources in those districts, we kept the Democrat incumbent to single digits without spending and any resources. who are those four? So from north to south, you've got California 3, which is Garamendi. Mm-hmm. You've got California 10, which is harder. Uh, down here in Orange County, you've got California 45, which is Porter. And then California 49, which is Levin. Then, in addition to that, they did polling mid-April, three more seats that are, you know, depending on where we end up with redistricting. Again, from north to south, we've got California 7, which is Barra, You've got in the Central Valley, California 16, which is Costa, and then down south, California 36, which is Dr. Raul Ruiz.
1: That's ambitious. Uh,
0: totally, <laughs> That's and ambitious. redistricting I don't is know about going. That.
2: Redistricting is going to <laughs> yeah it dictate that. Yeah. And then also primaries. Who gets out of the primaries? Are they the right fit for mm-hmm. this district? So you look at you know California 7. The last time we held that was with Lundgren, uh 2012, California three we've never really held that Um, say
1: say who the names and
2: um you know one of the candidates in that race outraised him in that first uh quarter in california 10 that's one that we held in 20 you know up until 2018 with Mm -hmm. congressman in Denham. that's currently harder Uh, California 16 has kind of been the cost of seed has been kind of elusive, right? We've had a good grassroots candidate We've had a good fundraising candidate and they both have, you know, done some damage if we put that together And then some magic of redistricting that might be a place where we can play then you come down south and you've got 45 which is Porter registration wise that's a really great one for us. She, she raises a, a lot, lot of, of money. She raises a lot yes, of money. Yes, I, yes, That's yeah. a tough one. Yes, so I it think takes your, your, your right on candidate, yeah. you know, and a lot of money in there. Um, but last time we held it was in 2018 with, yeah. with Mimi uh, Walters. Yeah. And then 49, we used to hold that one with Daryl Issa in 2018 as well. So, uh, and then 36, I skipped over, which is the Palm Springs seat, Ruiz. Um, you know, that's a seat where Mary Bono Mack held it in 2012. Um, You know, depending on where these lines end up. So we're preparing to be able to play in, you know, but I always, you know, disciplined, focused. We need to make sure that we're taking the fight to Democrats in places that we can win. Um, You know, we can't spend money on long shots and losers. we got to make sure we're going to be, we're we're already out-registered almost two to one. Um, We're absolutely... Outraised and outspent, but as 2020 proved we don't need to raise as much and we don't need to spend as much to win But we've got to be incredibly effective. We've got to be incredibly efficient with the dollars that we do spend
1: All right I'm gonna close by asking you were running my premise. This is the column is actually already run as by, by the time We're doing this so you can, you can weigh in uh, the way forward for California Republicans, it's a choice of the three Kevins. Okay, we can have the moderate, <laughs> Ellie's heard this 10 times already. The, uh, you can have the moderate, moderate-ish Kevin Faulkner, the former mayor of San Diego. You can have the conservative, but I keep Trump at a distance, Kevin Kiley. Or you can go with the conservative, used to be moderate-ish Kevin McCarthy, who is my Kevin to Trump. Jess, what is the way forward? Which Kevin will you choose?
2: I would never make that choice. (laughs) Those are three great Kevins. Do you have Um, a a fourth Kevin? uh, No, I do not. Um, But you know that the number one priority I had coming into this job and it's never been a secret to anyone. It is making sure that we have a speaker that is not only from California but as a Republican in California. Mm. And I think that House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy is the greatest leader that we could possibly have helping us get that done. You
1: are, you are longtime friends with him. We and are, associates exactly. with him going back 15, 15 years or so? About, or yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what about Trump? What do you, you know that Trump, he's not going to be on the ballot, but everybody's, you know, Democrats are going to throw him at you, like they, they did in the recall. What do you do about Trump?
2: I think that, you know, President Trump brings voters to the table. But he pushes them away, too. Again, the way that I have always led at the California Republican Party is to make room for everybody. I am a big tent Republican, and while my views may be incredibly conservative, Mm -hmm. I want everyone who identifies with being a Republican, everybody who wants to make sure they have a good job to go to, who wants to make sure that their kids are getting a great education, who wants to make sure that their streets are safe, that they feel welcome in our party. There's too few of us to do it otherwise. We have to welcome everyone in our party.
1: Yes. Thank you for being on so all political. I have to say make one Catholic reference before we leave. You know, your, your, um, uh, your data scientist is Blaze is her first name. B-L-A-I-S-E. And I said, oh, you were named after St. Blaze. Yes. And she said, no one ever knows then. I said, only my mother told me that. She, he was the, the blessing of the throats. Do we yes, remember that? The that's right. Of the throats, With the yeah. cross With of the, the cross candles. With the candles. I always yes. thought that was a little bit uncomfortable for me. But, <laughs> but okay. at least they weren't lit. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much. Joe, it
2: is always a pleasure. Thank you so much for having
1: me. I'd like to thank you all for listening and hope that you and your families are safe and healthy. I'd like to thank Jess for being on the podcast today. I can't wait to tell my mom that there's a reference to St. Blaise here today. That's got to be a first. Thanks, as always, to the King, Webby Award-winning producer, King Kaufman, for producing today's episode. We always throw out some love for our theme music. That song you are listening to is called Cattle Call and it's written by Randy Clark and performed by Randy Clark and Croissant. And remember, no matter which of the three Kevins you follow, it's all political.